Hey, Julie. Hey, Lisa. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, just a little good news in my house. I was just sharing with you. I'm so happy. Um, my son got his first like real job for the summer, and after all of his summer plans were canceled, he was so bummed. And it was it's, it's hard as a parent. We've talked about this to kind of watch what's going on with our kids' disappointments over everything with COVID. And he applied for a bunch of jobs, and he got one working at an ice cream place. So I'm personally really excited about that too. <laughs> you get a, do you get a family discount? Does he get an employee discount? I'm sure not, but I have a feeling I'll be Please eating a lot of ice cream. <laughs> I have to say, you know, it's really funny. My first job was in, um, I can't believe it's yogurt. Uh, so like a frozen yogurt, it was called, I can't believe it's yogurt. It's in, if you live in our area, um, you'd know it now is where the Trader Joe's in Travilla is. It was right in that shopping center. I think it, it was for a while a sushi place. It's across from the 7-Eleven in the, in the little Travilla shopping center. Yeah. Every summer from, I want to say like 10th grade or maybe 11th grade on, I, I worked there and I still have friends that I worked with at the frozen yogurt shop. And I, and I do look back and wonder how I didn't like literally eat my, eat my like way through that. I, Cause I love frozen yogurt and I love toppings, you know, like I love candy. I'm like, how did I not, maybe I did and I don't remember, but, um, but it was, a, it's a, that's such a fun job because I just remember like, you know, your friends come and visit cause they're coming to get ice cream and, and um, it's just like a fun summer job. So that's awesome. I totally agree. My first job wasn't as fun. I worked at the Pizza Hut call center in yeah. Westerville, Ohio, where I'm from. And it was right when computers, I'm so dating ourselves. It was right when computerized ordering came out. And I had, I worked in this call center and I'd say, thank you for choosing Pizza Hut. This is Julie. Last time you ordered a pizza with pepperoni and immediately the other person, like nine times out of 10, dude, how did you know that, uh, what I ordered last time? Because they didn't realize that their phone never was connected to the order. So it was quite amusing. So I did that for like all summer and then part of the school and I transitioned. I was a camp counselor for a few years after that, but it was a, it was a fun first job. So I think that's such a rite of passage. It is. It's funny, though, that you mentioned computers, because so for the first several summers, I worked for, uh, at, at I can't believe it's yogurt, but then after that, I worked at Comp USA, a big, you know, like, oh, yeah, <laughs> the one that's near, also near us on, on East Jefferson. Now it's like a micro center, but I was micro like, center. <laughs> and it's funny, because I know people now would be like, dude, I used to shop there all the time. Like you probably ring, I was a cashier, <laughs> you know, you probably rang me up. Um, so yeah, but I got it. It was nice because I got a sweet discount for my, um, you know, for on computer. So for, was, I worked there right before I went to college. So I remember getting like a really good computer at a big discount. So it's all in the, it's all in the perks that you get. So I hope you get a, a discount at the ice cream store this summer. Yeah, me too. It'll, it'll really make my pandemic summer even better. Yeah. So. Awesome. <laughs> so you were yeah. also just telling me, you were also just telling me about a little like mishap you had with some bug bites that was like, I hadn't heard the story yet. And, and it's really crazy. So why don't you, why okay. don't you share that? that? I thought that was kind of a crazy story. So, um, yeah. So last week I woke up one morning and my left foot was filled with bug bites and I was outside. We built like a little fire in our fire pit in our backyard the night before. And I, I realized I was getting bitten up a little bit, but I must have really gotten bitten up on my left foot and I had swollen bug bites all over my left foot. And it was itchy, but of course I jumped out of bed and went for my run like we all do. <laughs> Didn't think much of it, but my Achilles on that foot felt tight and it kind of hurt. So I stopped and I walked home and I went to see Rachel Miller, our fabulous PT who's been on this podcast. She had an opening for me and I ran in there and I said, you know, originally I was coming to see you just to have you take a look at me because I haven't seen you in a while and just to make sure I'm doing okay with my knee and just checking out my weaknesses. I like to see her like every couple of months for her to just check me out. And I said, but today I actually have an Achilles issue. And she took a look at it and she noticed it was inflamed. And she was like, I don't know why this is inflamed. It's really weird. I said, I swear, Rachel, it's because I got bitten up by bugs. And she said, no, it's not. And she 
put some stim on it and massaged it. I felt so much better when I left her office, but it still kind of bothered me. I swear, two days later, the bug bites were gone and my Achilles was no longer flared up. I swear I had inflammation from bug bites that had bit the area around my Achilles. It's so gross. But I'm just sharing this because you think you've seen everything and then something happens. So add that to the list of oddities. I was bitten up and my Achilles was bothering me. Thankfully, I'm fine now and I did a long run on Saturday and it, it didn't hurt at all. So I really think I had some inflammation. From the bug bites? Yeah. It's not weird. So now everything else we have to worry about. We have to worry about getting bitten by bugs in our Achilles. Yeah. So just another fun, fun, fun thing. So that happened. And but um, Your run on Saturday I, was for Lawyers Have Heart too, right? Yes. I did my first virtual race. I haven't done one yet. And I really, I just couldn't race. I'm not good at that um, race, racing alone thing. I can do a speed workout, no problem. But something about a virtual race, I just, I just wasn't motivated to race a 10K as fast as I could. So I decided to pull a Dave McGilvery and he had that phrase um, on our podcast that he used called my race, my rules. My rules yeah. So I made up a rule and I decided to run eight miles as a warm up in memory of the eight minutes um, during the last eight minutes of George Floyd's brutal murder. And I followed that up with 6.2 miles, which is the 10K which I ran in memory of my dad, which is why I am an active board member of Lawyers of Heart. Um, Lawyers of Heart is, uh, serves the American Heart Association of Greater Washington, and what they specifically do is they provide preventative services for people in the community so that if they have signs of heart, atto heart attack, stroke, diabetes, heart-related conditions, which often are preventative and or treatable, they provide the services and resources to do that. So I very much believe that when my father had his first stroke at 37 years old, um, had he had the resources available to him at the time, because at the time he was diagnosed briefly with encephalitis, because the resources just weren't the same then, uh, those precious minutes, hours, and days would have provided him with a better chance of healing. So his story briefly and why I'm so passionate about this is that he recovered from his stroke, but never fully. And he also was a diabetic and didn't take care of himself fully. And that led to his health decline, declining precipitously and just a stubborn man, um, many wonderful qualities, but his stubbornness was not one of them for this purpose. And as a result, he suffered for many years with these health problems and ended up passing away at age 46. And this year, I'm 47. And while I run the race every year, this is the first year I've run it where I have outlived him. So it was a very important race to me. It also, I love numbers, happened to be my 20th Lawyers of Heart 10K and the 30th anniversary of the race. So it was, wow. it kind of sucked to have to do it alone, but at the same time, it provided me with some time to think and articulate what I'm saying right now. Maybe I wouldn't have put all that together had I been running in a mass of people and racing. So perhaps it was meant to be for me to race that alone. So thank you to everyone who donated to Team Run Farther and Faster. We raised almost $1,000 and thank you. It was I'm really touched by um, all the people who donated um, for the team or for my run. So thank you so much to everyone out there. So um, another note, lighter note, uh, we wanted to give a couple of tips this week. Um, we'll do a coaching call in a few weeks, but we wanted to leave a couple of tips. So Lisa, why don't you um, provide the first tip we talked about? Um, yeah, so I think, uh, uh, you know, Hopefully, people, even though we're not traveling and not doing what we typically do over the summer, I know a lot of people are still getting a chance to get away to the beach. Um, you know, maybe some socially distant beach visits, and and it seems to be actually the one place that people can sort of travel to because we can drive there and um, maintain some social distance. But uh, the tip that we always give every summer about this time as people start heading to the beach is to be very cautious about running on, on the beach. Um, our bodies are used to, we're used to running on the road in shoes and when you switch to the sand it's obviously a different surface it's much softer some people think it's 
you know, great and fun to run on the beach with no shoes. It sounds like this wonderful idea. And in theory, it does sound wonderful to go run on the beach, but you just have to remember your body's not used to it. So just like any other change that you would make in your running, it has to be very gradual. So we recommend, especially if you're just going to the beach for a week and you haven't run on, or your body's not used to running on sand, which I would say most of us are not used to that, then by all means, go for a run maybe on the boardwalk next to the beach. If you really insist on wanting to run on the beach, wear your shoes and run on the water's edge where the, wa the, the sand is packed and harder and keep it to a very short distance and try, you know, just do a little jaunt on that just to get in your fix. But for the rest, you really should be sticking to what you're used to, which would be the roads or a sidewalk or um, even the boardwalk is a little bit different surface. But every year we get runners who come back from the beach, not typically ones that we're coaching because we usually warn them, but we have people who come back and say, oh, just I've been running on the beach all this week and now my calves hurt really bad or my Achilles hurts really bad, badly. And it's typically because you're, you're, you don't have the support that you're used to and the, um, you know, the solid ground that you're used to pushing off of is not there. And so that can definitely lead to some strains and aches and pains. And we certainly don't want anyone doing that. So if you're headed to the beach, uh, bring your running shoes, uh, plan to do, if you really, really just have this desire to get out on the beach and run, wear your running shoes so you have that support and try to run on the packed part of the sand. But otherwise, uh, maybe try to find a route that goes along the beach that's paved. Great points. And if I could just add to that, that also goes for walking. If you want to take long walks on the beach, long walks on the beach barefoot are so amazing. But try not to run, walk like eight miles or something crazy barefoot because you don't do that at home. And that's just another way to really um, put a lot of pressure on your calves and your Achilles without support. So by all means, walk barefoot on the beach, but maybe not do like a whole, you know, four or five mile walk the first time you can kind of build up just like with running. So my tip um, is I just wanted to remind everyone that we're in some weird times right now. So it's the beginning of summer and there, you may be feeling a little bit of pressure to sort of set your goals. What am I going to, what are my goals this summer? What's happening for fall? And while we aren't sure what races, if any, are happening, we are sure that there are plenty of virtual races. But we've mentioned this before, if a virtual race is not going to bring you happiness or add value to your life and your running, do not feel pressure to do it. Conversely, if a virtual race is going to make you feel um, excited and provide you with a goal, that you will enjoy reaching toward, then by all means do it. So your goals are your goals only, and this is a fantastic summer to pick some different goals if races that are virtual don't excite you. So maybe instead of thinking of goals around races this summer, you can think about goals in terms of, I'd like to try and see if I can increase my mileage safely this summer and see um, if I can get up to X amount of miles. Um, weekly miles. And if that's your goal, definitely go about it in a very methodical way. Obviously, push and see how far you can go and then get injured. But um, doing too much, as you know, too fast is a recipe for injury. But doing something methodically and consistently where you're incrementally increasing your mileage is a way to see how you can um, maintain consistency. You'll be ready not appealing to you and perhaps you want to see if you can improve your mile time and of course we have the pandemic improvement project for that or you can do that on your own or maybe you want to improve your 5k time there are so many goals out there that you can target that have nothing to do with races so just kind of think about that it's early in the summer think about what will make you the happiest and by all means talk to us if you're thinking about something and you're not sure how to go about it we would be delighted to provide you with um, any answers to your questions and support you Great tip. I think another, you know, you can have other goals too that aren't even time related or distance related, like maybe trying new routes now that we have some more time and more flexibility. Like maybe you want to deviate from your standard route and, and try something different. Um, so yeah, it doesn't have to be related to, to any numbers or any anything on your watch too. So just get creative. And I would love to hear if, you know, people want to share with us what they feel like they've accomplished or goals that they're aiming for this summer that now that we don't have races and that we're not as focused on distance and time, I'd love to hear it because it motivates me. It gives me some ideas of, of what to focus on for the summer. 
Yeah, I, I would too. So definitely email us at Julie and Lisa at runfarthernfaster.com if you have a cool goal that you would like to share. I know there's a lot of uh, challenges out there to race distances of states and, and the United States um, as a whole. And we know there's plenty of people doing those states challenges. So send us an email and let us know what you're doing. We'd love to hear. Yeah. So next up on the podcast, uh, we have a special guest. It's our friend Roman Garule, who we had on the podcast in February. In February, Roman was on our podcast with Kelly Scherf, and they were in the shoe episode. Roman talked about wearing the Vaporfly shoes, and he was at the time training for Boston and was targeting a uh, sub three, at least a sub three marathon. He is fit as a fiddle, very strong, healthy guy, very healthy diet, and really just a, a super strong runner, one of the strongest runners we know. And um, we had him on because Roman contracted COVID. And um, basically a couple of weeks ago, I noticed that he was completely missing from Instagram. And Roman is very active and engaging with us on Instagram. And I thought it was weird. I hadn't seen him or he hadn't reached out through a direct message in a couple of weeks. So something prompted me to reach out to him from our Run Farther and Faster account. And I just wrote, hey, Roman, how's it going? And he wrote back and he said, actually, I'm in the hospital. Um, I'm going to be released soon, but I've been dealing with COVID for the past few weeks. And uh, I, I couldn't believe it. And uh, fortunately, he was released from the hospital and we both continually checked in on him and he graciously um, offered to come on our podcast because he felt it was important to share his story um, because he just wants everyone to know what he went through, how he was able to advocate for himself in the hospital. Also, um, a reminder that we're not out of this and, and what we can do to protect ourselves. And um, it was just a really informative episode, but also we just are so appreciative that Roman was willing to do this for us and our listeners. He did not have to. And he is, he's just such a great guy. So we wish him continued recovery and we wish him well. And we just can't thank him enough for taking the time to talk to us because his information we believe will be invaluable to um, those of you who have the opportunity to listen. Yeah. Yep. I think it really um, made it personal to me. I, you know, I've heard of a lot of people we, we we've known, we have a few runners who, who've had COVID. Uh, luckily they've, recovered pretty well, but really not, not a hundred percent for sure. So I, I think this was the first time we really saw firsthand what this can do to a healthy, otherwise healthy person. Very scary. Gives us, gives me at least second thoughts about starting to loosen up restrictions or, you know, with my, with my own personal life of, I think we all tend to fall into the, uh, the, the, false sense of security that maybe things are easing up and that the virus is starting to subside and we may be coming out of the other side and I don't think we're there yet. And this brought me back to that point of like, well, let's really like still keep our eye on this, that we're, we're still in this. It's still out there. It can still affect any of us, um, our loved ones, our family, our friends. And I think that really talking to him really reminded me of that. Yeah, for sure. So without further ado, um, we will present Roman. He'll be up next. And Lisa, I hope you have a great week. Thank you. You too, Julie. Bye. Bye. We are really excited to announce that we have our first sponsor. R&J Sports, which is located in Maryland, is the first sponsor of the Run Farther and Faster podcast. Even though R&J Sports is a locally owned running store, they do ship nationwide and have a website from which you can order, rnjsports.com. If you go onto the website and purchase something over $100, just put in the code RFFFEATURES, F-E-E-T-U-R-E-S, and they'll throw in a free pair of feature socks with your purchase. You can also call the store at 301-881-0021, and over the phone, they'll provide some terrific guidance on which shoes are right for your foot. While it's not the same as a in-person fitting, for many of us, we can't do that yet. So this is a great option. In fact, one of our runners in China recently contacted the store and they provided her with some great advice and she was able to get a replacement pair of shoes that's working for her very well. 
So again, call R&J Sports at 301-881-0021. Let them know that you're with the Run Farther and Faster podcast. And if you make a purchase of over $100, they'll throw in a free pair of socks or you can go on their website. Thanks so much, R&J, for sponsoring our podcast. Roman, welcome back to our podcast. Thank you. It's so good. Our our listeners don't obviously are listening, but we are doing our podcast on Zoom. And so we're getting to see you, which is really great. And you were on our podcast several months ago in like what feels like another life right now, because we were talking about uh, running shoes and, uh, and, you know, uh, kind of the whole debate on the Zoom flies and the, the new, the new um, technology and shoes. And, and this was before, um, before all of this pre-coronavirus. And uh, for anyone who listened to that podcast knows you're an extremely talented, uh, gifted runner, very fast runner, very experienced runner, really active in our running community. Um, and uh, you have had something happen in the last a uh, few weeks now, or I guess month, that that uh, we wanted to bring you back on to talk about because uh, you you contracted COVID nineteen, and your your life has changed a lot since we last you had you on the podcast. So um, we are grateful to you, and uh, you know, like we told you before we started recording, if you get fatigued or need a break, let us know. Um, but we just wanted to start out by thanking you and um, giving you a chance to let our listeners who didn't listen to our first podcast with you kind of know a little bit about your background, uh, how you got into running and what you were doing uh, up until April of this year. Well, um, I've been running seriously for about like seriously, seriously, like taking it as a, as a actual sport um, for about four years. Um, I, you know, started changing my lifestyle, stopped drinking, started eating a lot healthier, you know, a lot of strength training built in, a lot of yoga, <clears throat> a lot of stuff just built around wellness. Um, so when we did the Vaporfly uh, podcast, I was in the shape of my life. Uh, <clears throat> you know, there, I, I thought I was like at the, at the top of the game and <clears throat> was ready to go to Boston. And uh, my goal was I was going to hit it in a 255 and I knew I could hit it. <clears throat> um, then the the virus came into play and we went into lockdown and, you know, kind of just uh, the last few months has been kind of like a total upside down of life, if you will. Um, so uh, along the, around May 8th, I started feeling sick and uh, it started just with a headache, a slight headache. And then the next day it was like a massive headache where I couldn't move. Um, like I, I had to stay in bed in like a little ball <clears throat> and then the uh, fever started, the chills started. <clears throat> and when I say fever and chills, it was like chills to the point where I had a long sleeve on a hoodie on the hood on the hoodie on, uh, under a blanket and just shape shaking uncontrollably. And then when the fevers would start, like I would soak through my clothes and I'm not a heavy sweater when I run and literally I was sweating worse than, <clears throat> on a really hot, hot, humid day doing a 20 miler. <coughs> and that's all within, that was all within a couple of days of getting that first kind of initial. It was within about three, four days. Yeah. And when you first, when you first got that headache, did you think anything? Did you, I mean, cause we were all in the midst of COVID mindset and coronavirus, you know, did, did you think anything? I did not. I thought it was just a migraine. So I was popping Tylenol. And, uh, but then, <clears throat> then the day after mother's day, um, it was uh, the, my sense of taste and smell went, and I knew what it was. <clears throat> um, and then from there, <clears throat> the nausea set in, extreme diarrhea, like just everything that you could get associated with this thing <clears throat> started started hitting me. And so pretty soon I wasn't eating. I wasn't. I, I was trying to drink <clears throat> water and tea to hydrate, but it was kind of difficult. Um, so there's about about 12 days I didn't eat <clears throat> and then uh, <clears throat> probably about around that time <clears throat> you know I started getting like a little incoherent and stuff and my friends kept saying you gotta go to the doctor you gotta go to the doctor and wait then, let, let me stop you there so Roman just to clarify you live by yourself um, is, is that correct so correct. when you started feeling uh, really sick which was it sounds like within 24 hours of the initial headache you started having the sweats the fever and eventually the diarrhea and 
everything else that went along with it. Did you start <laughs> reaching out to friends just to say, I'm not feeling well? Like how, how did you communicate this? Because I've been thinking so much about people who are quarantined, who live alone and, and then to contract the virus on top of that, that's, that's another layer that a lot of people don't have to deal with. You didn't have an advocate in your home when you were hit with this. So tell us what happened. Um, so I told my friends, Liz and my buddy Aaron, I have the virus. They're like, are you sure you have the virus? I was like, pretty sure that the sense of taste and smell was the, was the clear indicator. Um, it's not the flu or just a bad cold. This is like serious stuff. Um, the other thing was I had, I started getting like body aches too. So it was just like where I couldn't, I literally couldn't move. <clears throat> so I'd move from the couch to the bed, try to watch TV, but I couldn't concentrate on TV. Uh, and so I was probably sleeping like 18 hours a day. <clears throat> um, and it was just like the worst pain I've ever had. Um, had you talked to, had you called the doctor or anything? Had you, had you asked about going, or you just kind of figured I'm just going to, you know, tough it out. It be, all right. Yeah. So at what point did you then decide to call the doctor? Um, so uh, when I got really delirious, uh, Liz and Aaron, they kept, they kept calling me all day long. They're like, go, go, go. <clears throat> and then my sweat started smelling like infection. Um, and I was like, there's something seriously wrong. I, I, <clears throat> I got to go. So it was, a, <clears throat> it was afternoon of May 20th <clears throat> and um, I called urgent care which is probably about an eighth of a mile from where I live. It's a MedStar urgent care. And uh, they said, you have to do a video conference with the doctor first to get a referral for a COVID test. So I <clears throat> jumped on their app, uh, did a quick uh, talk with them. Uh, the doctor, she gave me a referral <clears throat> and I went down to, to urgent care, you know, filled out the paperwork there. They took me back, did my blood pressure, all the vitals, but they put me on an the oxygen uh, meter thing <clears throat> and I was I was bad like they're like we, we just called you an ambulance <clears throat> they're like we cannot, they're like we can't treat you here we're uh, <clears throat> and it's already in route <clears throat> what was that like for you when you finally decided to go to the doctor and let me preface that with um, for anyone wondering why did you wait so long I I'm sitting here thinking I wouldn't want to go either. I'd want to wait it out because everyone's telling you not to go. So you knew you had it and, and you're healthy and you're strong. And I would imagine your thought process while waiting it out was I'm going to fight this on my own because I'm really healthy and strong. Am, am I right? That is absolutely correct. Uh, and the other thing I forgot to add was <clears throat> when I did go in, I started to have, like my chest was so tight that I couldn't breathe. Wow. So, I barely, so I walked the eighth of a mile down to urgent care and barely made it. And you're someone who just a month earlier was cranking out sub, sub six minute miles on your fast paces on the track and preparing to run Boston in under three hours. My last workout, my last serious workout before this, I had run 10 miles at 645 pace, came back, did 300 push-ups, followed by like 10 minutes of planks. And I went from that to, to not being able to do anything, literally over a, a period of a couple of days. Oh, my gosh. So you get to urgent care. They call an ambulance. Do you remember how you felt then and what, what was going through your head? I was terrified. Like, I was, like, seriously terrified. Um, I started – I texted uh, – I texted Liz and, and Aaron and my mom, and I was like, this is what's happening. I'm getting put in an ambulance. Uh, and they not only brought an ambulance, they also had a supervisor come over in a separate emergency vehicle. Um, and then <clears throat> when I was secured in the ambulance uh, <clears throat> with the mask on and with the oxygen mask, um, you know, we were, we're here in the middle of DC and they had the sirens going and we passed all the traffic. In the opposite lane like I'd never I'd never been in an ambulance I'd been in an ambulance but not for me just like at a car show or whatever and this sounds like an ambulance that was in a rush to get to the hospital it wasn't like an ambulance just transporting you they were they were booking it yeah they're booking it and then I got to the emergency room and um <clears throat> they put me in the COVID unit 
and they took my temperature, immediately made me pop like three uh, hospital strength Tylenols, um, strapped me up to the <clears throat> to all the vital machines, threw, threw me on an EKG, uh, dropped an IV in me, <clears throat> and um, chest x-rays, you name it. And uh, it was just really scary. I actually, <clears throat> actually cried a little bit after they left. <clears throat> Cause, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 you didn't have I, anybody, anybody there with you, right? And no, where, where is your mom, where does your mom live? They live in New Mexico. Yeah, so not close. No, and plus even if they were here, nobody- They couldn't go in with you, right? That must have been a hard phone call to make to have to call your mom and tell her this news because I, I texted her. I couldn't talk because yeah. I had all this like stuff on my face. So I'm just speechless because while we hear about this from so many people, because you're a friend and just imagining you going through this, I'm, I'm just so sorry. I'm so sorry. So you are now in the hospital, you've had x-rays and what, what was the hospital like for you the first day and how did you feel in terms of your care and, and what did that look like? Well, the doctors and nurses are amazing. <clears throat> I will say they're absolutely amazing. Like they care so much and they're so busy, like they're so overwhelmed. Um, like this thing is just ravaging the, everybody who gets it. Um, the emergency room was super scary because you could hear people like just groaning and yelling in pain. The guy next to me was peeing on himself. He had a seizure. <clears throat> um, so it was just terrible. Um, actually, the only thing that, that got me through the emergency room was watching The Last Dance with Michael Jordan. Um, that, that was on TV. So, And he's my favorite player. So, Did you have I a love sense? That. Did you have a sense of how many other patients were in him? Because obviously you're, you didn't have a sense of like how busy it was or... But the nurses told me it was busy. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, so what happened that first, so what happened that first day? What was the kind of the process? Well, this was the afternoon, probably about, I don't know, four or five or six or something. I, I actually don't know what, let's see. Whatever 22.14 is military time. <clears throat> yeah, that, oh, that's 20, so eight, no, no, 10, 10 p.m., 22.14, 10. So 10 that's, at that point, it moved me from the emergency room and it, and it beat to the hospital. Right. Um, and so they wheeled me up to a COVID unit. And uh, so I had my own room. They told me nobody goes in and out. Um, you know, every two hours they come check your vitals. Um, I'm hooked up to all these wires, tubes, needles. <clears throat> um, every morning reli <clears throat> reliably at five in the morning, they, they'd come draw vitals and draw blood. <clears throat> so you don't really sleep in the hospital because every couple hours they're checking you out. And then you <clears throat> then you have so much stuff on you that you can't really move anyway. <clears throat> so so it's just really uncomfortable, but the doctors and nurses are amazing. Like they're like they're super amazing. Like I I can't say enough good things about how much they care. <clears throat> and they only have a limited amount of time with you because you know they have so many other patients that they have to see. <clears throat> but yeah, it's it's a pretty traumatic experience. And you can't have visitors and you can't have anybody in there with you. So basically other than those visits from the doctors and nurses that happen very quickly and every couple hours, you're just there by yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So are you, are you sleeping? Are you, what are you, what are you doing? Are you thinking? Um, watching the Today Show in the morning. Um, then TV, they're, they don't really have good cable. So just whatever's on. Um, they did allow my buddy to drop off uh, iPhone charger. <clears throat> so uh, they had to, he had to drop it off at the bottom and then somebody had to go down and get it. And then it had to be transported to my room. <clears throat> um, so luckily I have Netflix on my phone. So Netflix is good. I watched a lot of Netflix. But I would imagine that that was probably hard because you were so uncomfortable to focus on a show or anything because I would imagine your brain was foggy and over and you were probably overwhelmed with thoughts as well. Well, the, you know, it took about two days to stabilize me, but then my appetite came back. So once I was able to start eating and, uh, you know, with a lot of fresh oxygen in you, like it was starting to feel better. Um, 
So I was actually able to probably watch pretty much entire movies until they'd come drop blood or do whatever. So you were never intubated. You somehow managed to avoid that, but you were given a tremendous amount of oxygen, it sounds like, to get you to a place where you could breathe comfortably. Were you worried about being intubated or did they provide you with information that led you to believe that you would not? I was extremely terrified because I've heard horror stories about it. Um, So the doctor told me that they had me at the max level that they could have me on in a room. And so they said the next step would be the ICU if I wasn't responding. So that's when I got scared. And I said, is that a ventilator? And they said, no. And they said, you will know when you go on, you won't even know when you go on a ventilator. Um, Because you'll be out. But they said, you're far from that. Did they indicate that your fitness had anything to do with your ability to avoid the ventilator? I'm not implying that your fitness was in any way a factor or not a factor in contracting COVID, but rather was it a factor, did the doctors believe in avoiding the, the um, ventilator? They believed, so I, <clears throat> so I was only in the hospital for eight days and most people are in there for a lot longer. Um, but every, like, lit, lit, I heard it over and over from different doctors and nurses, fitness definitely played a factor in, in all this. Um, <clears throat> And, uh, you know, not drinking was also a good thing because apparently COVID also attacks your liver. And so on my discharge papers, it says I also had like, a couple of indicators that are, <clears throat> that are uh, related to, to COVID. So it spikes those. And so when I came home and, <clears throat> and when I was, I was reading my discharge papers the other day, I was like, oh, that's weird about this, these indicators. And I read about it online and I was like, damn. Uh, I, this is pretty crazy because it's only for serious cases where, where those indicators go up. What were some of those indicators? So you mentioned your liver. Well, they, my official diagnosis is <clears throat> COVID-19, hypoxia, and pneumonia. <clears throat> but um, it also caused... Uh, well, they were, mo- they were monitoring my inflammatory marker, so it said it also affected lab values related to your liver, uh, <clears throat> but they should normalize. So, so yeah, they, I mean, they, they literally put all kinds, like they literally tested for everything. <clears throat> so they mentioned your fitness and your lifestyle, which included not drinking. And you also, just by nature of being a vegan, you have, and I, I'm just putting this I'm out there. Vegan. I'm not, a, pardon? I'm not vegan, but I, I... Oh, I thought you were. Okay, go ahead. I limit, I limit my meat intake. However, okay. in the hospital, that's all they serve. <laughs> so I was eating a lot of stuff I don't normally eat. Sugar, uh, meat. Jello. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's a whole other subject, but that is so crazy that your normal diet was ruined by the hospital food. Just think about that for a minute. You're in the hospital to get treated for a, a just rabid disease, and the only food that you can eat to sustain you is the food that is, is basically inflammatory food. Basically, yeah. Gosh. Okay, so I know I'm jumping. I just had to ask that. So what other things, what other comments do the doctors have to you? I'm just curious about you, Roman, when they saw you in terms of your lifestyle and what they believed helped you. Well, everybody also said that I had a strong mental strength game because as soon as I was off the EKG and I could move a little bit, I was doing yoga. Not not like anything complicated, but, but, you know, just doing sunrise salutations and stuff that would open up your lungs. <clears throat> um, and I just needed to stretch because that bed is just terrible. Uh, so I was doing stuff like that and they, I got busted a couple of times, <clears throat> but they said it was good. They said movement is good. Um, and so, yeah, they told me that, <clears throat> they told me mental strength and good physical conditioning going into it was definitely a factor. How did you keep that mental strength up? Because I mean, you look, you, first of all, you said only eight, days, but that to me sounds like a really long time in the hospital, and, and each day is super long itself. How did you, um, did you feel like any lows where you started feeling 
mentally down? And then how did you turn that around? And how did you keep that? Because that, I'm sure that had something to do with you, you doing well and getting out of there quickly, but how did, how did you do that? Well, it's, it did suck. It really, I mean, no doubt about it, hospitals suck. And then when you can't see anybody, you can't, like, you literally can't do anything. Uh, it, it, it was tough. It was really tough. There's a couple of times where I actually had tears. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't believe I was in that position. Um, but, you know, the only goal was just to get out of there. So they give you, like, this little thing that you breathe into. <clears throat> like this little exercise thing and so I did that religiously um and then I also <clears throat> every time they would they would start turning down the oxygen for the uh <clears throat> on the on the mask and the tubes like I would make sure that I would I was definitely trying to lay down the right way because there's certain ways you can lay down and certain ways you can't so like on your back for COVID is the worst way <clears throat> but sitting up or on the side and especially if you lie on your stomach, once the EKG was off, um, I would lay, lay down a lot on my stomach because that's good. Um, so I just did everything that they told me to do. <clears throat> um, and then as I was getting weaned down <clears throat> and I was down to like three liters of oxygen because it, it was just the tubes, um, I was like, I, I need to get out of here. So I just took off the, I just took off the tubes for for a few hours until they came and checked me again. And they, my oxygen levels were holding at 96% without it. And so the doctor came in shortly after that, after the nurse told them, and he said, you've beaten it. And he said, you can, get, you, can, you can get discharged today. And I'll start the paperwork. <laughs> wow. I feel like you really are an anomaly in the sense that you really, it sounded like came very close to being on a ventilator, but for your fitness and your lifestyle, and you were able to avoid it through persistence, positive mental, a positive mental attitude, and also just actively doing what you can because you are someone that really lives the phrase control the controllables. And that seems like what you were doing, even in the worst place possible, you were doing these sun salutations, lying on your stomach, trying to think of all the things that you could do to help yourself. And how did you maintain that presence of mind to even sort of do the work, ask the questions? You didn't have an advocate to do that for you. So that's a lot of mental energy as well, I would imagine, in terms of uh, navigating how to get yourself to a place that you could be released. How did you do that? Well, I've spent many years with state and federal government and health and human services. <clears throat> and so... <clears throat> Working on, sorry. No apologies. We're working on Medicare, Medicaid, and the Affordable Care Act. Um, you learn about conditions. You learn about like you know, even though I'm not a medical person, you interact with a lot of medical people, and you know you learn all these things. So, um, just you're like literally very lucky and blessed to have worked with a lot of great doctors and nurses over the years, and, and different health professionals. I know what questions to ask and how to uh, how they, how to navigate stuff. Speaking of that, um, and, and the medical professionals, did did you feel like um, like they had answers, or did you feel like they were still trying to figure stuff out too? Because it seems like it's such a fluid process and and such a fluid. You know, we just are finding out new things every day. And um, did you feel like the the doctors and nurses had answers for you? They had answers, and they were very honest when they don't know the answer. Um, like, I, I mean, I couldn't have asked for better doctors and nurses. Like, um, they're, they're truly, like, heroes. Heroes, <laughs> yeah. Um, so they wanted <clears> – so, for example, um, their research doctor came in and wanted me to consider doing convalescent plasma if I wasn't getting better. Um, but luckily, all my indicators uh, uh, started showing that inflammation was going down. You know, all the, all the different things that the COVID attacks, like your kidneys, your heart, like, because it, it, it literally attacks everything. Um, so so uh, I asked, for example, well, what does convalescent plasma mean if I do it or don't do it? You know, they said it's, it's in trial right now. So um, I ended up not doing it. 
Were you given any other trial medications during your stay there? Mm-mm. Okay. I went, so, I, the ahead. only medication I ever took was um, Tylenol upon uh, emergency, uh, the emergency room once, and then twice a day they'd give me a shot in my stomach morning and night for anti-clotting because COVID can also uh, produce blood clots. And to me, that was the scariest one of the scariest parts of the day because I don't mind shots in my arm or like or my butt or whatever but for some reason my stomach is just like freaking me out yeah I would imagine there were so many new and strange experiences like when we're done with this call I would imagine there's probably more that you're not even thinking of because it just sounds like it was a complete odyssey where you went from your apartment into the hospital and you were living in this crazy world for a week where you were trying to figure out how to get yourself out of it. It just sounds like a nightmare. Let me ask you, if you were to give advice to a patient, what advice would you have um, for people who don't have the same healthcare experience that you have um, for advocating for themselves since you don't have an advocate with you when you're being treated for COVID? You know, that's actually a really good question because um, I think uh, a lot of people probably don't know how to do this. So I would just say, like, every time they mention something to you, just ask them for, and you don't know what it means, ask for clarification. And then what are your options? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just kind of lucky that, that, that I've, been doing stuff like this for for a long time and it sounds like you had great doctors and nurses that were explaining things to you and and giving you the giving you the options so so when you um when they told you you'd be discharged uh did you have somebody to come take you home did you have help to get you home yeah oh my friend liz she uh i called her and i said can you pick me up in about two hours and she's like let me move some meetings but then they moved my discharge so fast compared to like, cause there's also, by that time I was in a room with another person and his discharge was taking like two or three hours. My doctor, we had different doctors and nurses. My doctor had me out of there like in 30 minutes. Wow. Um, they hooked me up to the machine, made me walk up and down, check my oxygen without, without check my oxygen levels, not my, not the, not the tube thing and my heart rate and all that stuff. And so everything was, everything was good enough to come home. So, and what was Are it like that to first? Be- oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Lisa. No, well, I was just going to ask, what was it, what was it like to come home? Like what, what, what did that, what did, how did you feel physically and how did that feel? Were you nervous about leaving the hospital and leaving the care of, you know, the monitoring and the care that, no, you're ready to leave. I was ready to leave. Um, so I didn't really have too much. It, it all happened so fast that I got home and I didn't really have too much food, but Luckily, my friend Marsha, who lives across the street, uh, she she, I texted her to te- say I was back, and uh, she brought me like fresh cut pineapple, grapes, blueberries, uh, baked me a banana bread, uh, all kinds of good stuff. So, <clears throat> so that arrived at my doorstep early the next morning, and I got a text saying check outside your door. So, uh, homemade like vet- homemade juice with like I don't know whatever green stuff. Uh, you know, just just a lot of good recovery stuff, herbs and. And so, that's so nice. At that point, you had your your appetite was back, and you were able to eat. Well, I was eating in the hospital for six of the eight days, uh, but the hospital food—I mean, hospital food—is just yeah. terrible. It was yes. So Not you mentioned. You mentioned before we started recording that you had lost sixteen pounds in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and where, where are you now with that? Um, I'm up eight from, from when I was admitted. So, so it's just, it's, that, that one's going to take a little bit of time because I think I lost a lot of muscle mass. In fact, I don't think I lost a lot of muscle mass. Like I can see I lost a lot of muscle mass. Um, so <clears throat> I can't, I can't quite do any strength training quite yet because I don't have the, the, capacity to do it but I think once I'm able to do like you know push-ups and reasonable things uh, I think it'll start coming back faster 
What did the doctors oh, tell you when you left about getting back to like, what, what were the, what were your discharge instructions? Like, what, what do you do when you leave? Like, how do you come take back from easy, this? Take it very easy. Um, just even washing dishes the first day back or the second day back, like was spiking my heart rate up to like 120. <clears throat> Cause I, I always monitor it on my, on my watch. Um, then they told me like, you know, make sure you wear your mask, all this stuff. <clears throat> if you have to go anywhere, which I, which I, and I wasn't supposed to go anywhere, but like if I had, to, if I had an Amazon package, I was coming to our package room downstairs. Um, I tried climbing the four flights of stairs. So I live on the fourth floor and I almost didn't make it back up the stairs. So, um, but I'm paranoid of the elevator. So I've been pushing myself to take the stairs every single time. Um, and then <clears throat> I was officially out of quarantine this week. So I started walking outside. Um, but I've been doing it at six in the morning just because of the heat and humidity. Um, so I was able to do a mile like on Wednesday and Thursday. Yesterday I did a half 1.5. Today I did 1.7. <clears throat> and it's a, it's a really slow mile, but, but it's, it's better than where I was a few weeks ago. No, that's fantastic. Are you, are so, you feeling like when you're, now I assume you're walking the mile or are you trying to jog a little bit? Where, what do you, when you say you do a mile, are you like walking? I have no ability to jog. Okay. So um, when I you're walking, okay. So I, so I was going to ask you, it's a slow walk. Um, are you feeling each day a little bit better or is it, has it not been as linear? It's starting to become linear. I would describe at this point, it's becoming linear. Great. And it's been, since you're released from the hospital, it's been exactly, almost exactly a month because it's June 13th. Is that right? See, I was discharged on 528. Oh, no, not even close. Okay. It's almost so a month it's, since you had the first symptoms on yeah. the 20th. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been so, a... It's been a while. Um, like it's, it's been kind of crazy because I haven't really had any people interaction other than like, you know, FaceTime or text or telephone. Right. So it's really only been two weeks. I'm thinking about this. So you were discharged on the 28th and within two weeks you're out walking mile, mile and a half. It's actually, I mean, I know for you, it's, you're probably frustrated, of course, but that's really great. Like, that's great. Well, it's definitely good progress. Like I'm, I'm definitely pleased with the progress. Good. Okay. But, I, so, but I've been pushing myself as much as I can too, because they told me, um, like you know, if you if you just lay down in bed and stuff, like you might you might think it's better, but in reality, you need to move around as much as you can. Do you feel better when you're outside? Do you feel like it's helping, not just your mood, but I mean physically with with your ability to breathe, or do you feel like it's more difficult when you're outside? So Thursday was really hot and humid. <clears throat> and so that definitely took a toll on me. Um, my heart rate was up um, and, and I had to take a couple of breaks and I actually worked up a tiny, tiny, tiny little sweat. Um, but like this morning was fabulous. Yeah. I got out there at 545 this morning and it was, it was perfect. Well, how are you feeling the rest of the day after you do that? Is it, does it, Fatigue, are you taking naps during the day still? I mean, just in general, or how are you feeling during the, are you working? Um, working a little bit and definitely taking naps. Uh, so um, when I first got discharged, I was taking naps in the morning and the afternoon. Um, and now I just take a nap if I need to, like if I feel really tired. So like, for example, this morning I did take a nap, um, but some days I don't need to take a nap. So I just kind of, I'm just kind of going with what my body tells me to do. That's smart. So let me ask you the million dollar question because you must be thinking about it a lot. Do you know how you got this? Do you know where you were exposed? I don't know. <clears throat> if I had to guess, it'd be when I would go maybe to the package room without a mask. And I, I don't take the elevators. I go down the only stair. There's two stairwells, but there's one in the back where nobody really uses. So It'd be like maybe a two minute round trip up and back. Um, so it could have been there. Um, the only other time that I was close to people without a mask, and not that there's people with 
people down there, but the, the package room air is very stale. And this thing can live in the air for like three hours. Um, so that would be one guess. Or maybe, could have even, <clears throat> the only other place it could be is a running trail. Like where you get really close to somebody or, you know, a bike zooms past you and it kind of cut you off and, you know, <clears throat> that's about the only places I could think. Yeah, because you, you weren't going, obviously, into a workplace. You weren't doing errands, it sounds like. It sounds like you were really just doing what most of us are doing, home or running, and running was where you were outside. And you, I'm sure you did the best you could to be socially distant while you were running. So mm-hmm. it's really crazy. It's, you should play the lottery. Um, I have to say, we have one other, we, well, we have a couple other runners who've had COVID, but we have one who also had COVID, and she swears she was also the only place she was, was at home and running, and she feels like maybe, same as you, maybe it was on a running trail where she wasn't even running with anybody, but she said, you know, she was on trails, and maybe it was, but, but um, you know, when she told me that, I thought, how could that possibly be, you know, if you run by somebody for a few seconds or um, but she also said that's really the only thing she could think of. So, um, you know, it's a possibility. That's kind of scary. Did you, had you seen, I mean, I'm guessing the answer is no, because it sounds like you weren't seeing anybody. Had, but had you seen anybody in the couple of days before you got sick and did you have to go back to people and say like, hey, I know we saw you in the package room and now I have COVID or you know, no. contact tracing <laughs> that went on. Yeah. No. I've, been li- I've been literally living in a, really quarantine environment since the whole lockdown. I, I have these disposable deli gloves I carry everywhere and throw those away. If, if I open a door, I carry hand sanitizer. <clears throat> like that's sort of like one thing that's unusual and all my, most of my friends have point, pointed it out is I am Mr. Germaphobe to start out with. So and I never get sick. Like, like there, there'll be a couple of years to pass without me getting a cold. <clears throat> Because I take, I'm very cautious. It's incredibly frightening because we all think like if we do everything right and we quarantine and we don't touch things and we sanitize and we, you know, and we don't go out and don't gather in groups that we're going to be okay. And that's not necessarily the case. And we've seen that not only with you, but with other folks too, who really, you know, we're doing everything they thought they should and being very careful and not even leaving their house and somehow, somehow contracted. It's, there's no rhyme or reason. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Um. How is it for you emotionally um, when you're now, it's, you're in this place where when you, got, when you were admitted to the hospital, everything was cut and dry. Everyone was still in quarantine. But now you're out and suddenly D.C. and the surrounding areas are slowly phasing out of the first level of quarantine. How, how is that for you? Is it difficult for you to sort of deal with that, knowing that what you went through to see other people sort of relaxed, or are you able to separate that? It actually really worries me. Um, I'm really worried that people are not taking this seriously enough. And, you know, even if, <clears throat> even if many people don't have symptoms or they just experience minor symptoms, uh, the fact is, is if, if you're unlucky like I was and you, you get the worst of it, this is not, I mean, it's not a joke. I, I, I would highly urge everybody to be as careful as possible and practice as many safety measures as possible because um, nobody wants this. It's literally, <clears throat> it's literally brought me from the best shape of my life to the worst shape of my life in you know, a little over a month. Well, if there's anything we know about you, Roman, is that you are focused and determined and have such a positive mindset and such a, you're really one of the most positive people that we know that you. you will see this linear progress and you will come back and you will get back to being, being strong again. Um, it's just, it's, it, for us, it's, you know, it's heartbreaking to see, to see you have to go through this and um, again, kind of no rhyme or reason or no, you know, you're healthy, you're a healthy person, in great shape. So it's really hard for us to watch you go through this. And that's why we appreciate you sharing, sharing all of the details in your story with us. I, I'm, so, I'm really happy to share it. Um, you know, I think the more people that can 
can listen to this stuff and just see what the actual disease does to a relatively healthy person. Um, it's, it's a, I think it's an eye opener. For sure. I, I really believe that just having you on here to share your story will at least cause, if it even causes one listener to pause and think a little bit about what they're doing as they phase out of complete quarantine, you're helping someone and obviously multiple people. So before we go, just um, if there's anything you want to share with our listeners, please feel free to do so. Well, what I do want to share is um, it's made me realize like what's truly important and what's not in life. I think, uh, you know, I realized I took a lot for granted, like, oh, I'm just going to wake up get out the door and go for a run or whatever. <clears throat> and, and I've come to realize like, you know, I, I was just taking like pretty much everything for granted. Like everything was just coming naturally. <clears throat> but, um, but I've, I've sort of taken a new look at life <clears throat> now that I've had a second chance at it. And, um, you know, friends, family, uh, all that stuff is so important. Um, one of the things you asked me what's been keeping me going, <clears throat> um, but, you know, between my parents and, you know, all my friends and the, our running family <clears throat> and all the messages and, you know, all the generosity and everything that, that people have uh, just been saying, you know, we wish you the best, all that stuff. I think, uh, I think that's probably the most important thing that, that there is out there. Uh, it's just like really great family, friends uh, and all that stuff. So <clears throat> I wanted to say thank you to to everybody, including our running family. Uh, just, it's, it's been wonderful just to hear from everybody, <clears throat> hear from everybody and, uh, you know, it means a lot. It means an awful lot to me. You've always wow. put that out to the running community, Roman. You've always been one of those people that always reaches out to everybody and, and running community what it is. So, um, so that it's coming back to you in spades is, is no surprise. Uh, we are all here for you and, and are grateful to you for, for coming out and telling us your story and being open about it because it's not, um, I think it would be hard for, you know, for somebody who's so fit and so in such a great place in their life to be able to then talk about how the other side being down at the bottom. So appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you to both of you. Uh, you know, you guys are some of the first people to reach out to say, is there anything we can do and stuff? And, uh, you know, unfortunately in the hospital, like there's nothing anybody can do because like you're pretty much almost in prison, if you will. Uh, but but uh, I really appreciate both of you. And, and, and I do thank you for letting me share my story because uh, I think it's important for people to know what, what it's all about. For sure. And now you don't have to write the blog if you don't feel like it. We can just throw it out there. <laughs> Although I would imagine it's also cathartic to write it down too. Well, it, it is good um, <clears throat> for me to write it down. Like, so I wrote down the actual hospital experience and it's like three pages of depressing like stuff. It's like, cause I broke it down on each day. Like this day I felt this, this day I felt that. And then all the way down through, but I felt like in the ambulance to the hospital, but it's, it's just more of my own kind of little journal. And that, and yeah. then I've been sorting that out and sort of like what we talked about today. And then like, you know, what my new outlook on life is and stuff. So, so it's been helpful to, to just, you know, sit down at this computer and, and write it out. That's great. I always find when I'm going through something, being able to put pen to paper or <laughs> fingers to keyboard is really cathartic. So your journey is continuing and we are here for you and um, we're, we would love to support you as you on your road to recovery by helping you um, eventually get into some walk run intervals so we can transition to running and we, we want to do that for you. So thank you for allowing us to do that for you. It's the least we can do. Um, but thank you most importantly for giving us the gift and our listeners of your time. This takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of courage to share your story. And we're really, really grateful that you did today. So thank you, Roman. Thank you. And it's really good to see both of you guys. 
You good too. To you look you. great. Good to see you looking good. Thank you, you do. All, All right. right. Well, Roman, we'll be in touch. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Hopefully the next podcast is another, like, how to be super fast, like Roman, <laughs> and next year's Boston <laughs> Marathon, and it'll be like a complete circle. So that's what we're hoping. Yes, no doubt. Thanks, Roman. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Farther and Faster Boston Marathon podcast. We want to give a special thanks to our editor, Aaron Bryant. And if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy listening to our podcast, please share it with others and please leave a review if you haven't done so already on iTunes. Thanks for listening and have a great week.